from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms. Treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson. You just love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Even when you're not saying anything. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Adrian! Adrian! Houston Kennedy. Please, Houston, we have a problem. And Josh Webb. Coons. We're raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chased them off with a broom. Welcome to the On The X Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm Jay Paul Jackson, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Rocky LaFleur and Josh Webb. Rocky, Josh, guys, man, duck season is almost here. It's a beautiful day. I'm so freaking pumped up to be here. You always tell me I don't show enough excitement, so we <laughs> jump out there. Man, I about oh, jumped out man. of my chair here. Rocky, I'm glad oh. to see that you are in rare form today. How about you, Josh Webb? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been riding around all day looking, just just looking, really. Uh, I know it's dry, but I still feel like getting around and, and looking and seeing what's going on because it's uh, it's here. I mean, it, it's literally here. Um, and when did y'all open up in Tennessee? You know, we opened up the weekend after Thanksgiving, but okay. right I, now I it, it's 70-something degrees here, and we haven't even had our first frost this year. And, um, you know, it, it's it's just amazing the fact that we really haven't had an appreciable rain since sometime back in September. Yeah, we haven't either. We did get another quarter of an inch last night, but, um, I mean, the last three rains we've gotten since August the about the 10th. Or, or They're talking about that. a rain. They're talking about a good rain here Friday. I may have just yeah, it, I saw that. They're talking about a good um, rain. But I mean, the the only three rains we've had in the last two and a half months have been two tenths and a tenth, and then last night we got a, about a quarter of an inch. I mean, it's nothing. I, so we need. Some I don't rain even consider that rain. Time. No, it's not. It's, it's not. I mean, it'll be dusty again this afternoon. Um, and you, you know, know what? It's been, Rough. In my experience, my experience is guiding. And whenever you have a dry October, dry November like this, it is going to be either a wet December or a wet January, one of the two. I think you're dead on right, for sure. You know, but right now we're going to face some challenges early in in duck season. And two things, guys, that I would like to talk about today because I've had people ask me about them. Um, is you know when we're really super dry like this, we are are unseasonably warm, and it looks like going to continue that way for a little while longer. Although we may have our first frost over the, this weekend, 
you know, the birds that we do have right now are very, very concentrated. And a couple of things that I've been asked about over the last few days were, number one, uh, how does pressure, hunting pressure, affect ducks? And when they're really concentrated, I think it, it has more of an impact. I want to discuss that. And then number two, have you guys noticed this super moon, this full moon that we're experiencing right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really neat. Matter of fact, the other night, um, my wife and I were deer hunting, and we just we sat in the deer stand until the moon was all the way up, and we walked out, and we, we could see deer and everything just almost plain as day. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. After it had been up for about 15 minutes, it was just like somebody shining headlights through the woods. I mean, that, the moon has been unbelievable, and uh, I can imagine that a lot of birds have been have been moving at night with it too. All right, well, let me let, let me let me throw a fact out to y'all that I read last night. And look, I, I know that we're going to go into detail about this full moon, but what I thought was interesting in talking about pressure, talking about the full moon, talking about the ducks migrating on the full moon, the count in South Louisiana right now on ducks is you 3.2 3.2 million ducks right now. That's double what it wow. was last year. So I, you know I what that tells that. me? You know what that tells me? That tells me there's we're in a dry year. They're going to water. They're going to food. They're skipping us. And until we get some water, they're not, they're going to stay in South Louisiana. Yep, I read that. I've read that article numerous times already because it it amazes me. It blows my mind. Um, and a good good friend of mine is a biologist here in the state of Mississippi, and they're flying their surveys, um, their waterfowl surveys, the first ones of the year. They flew yesterday, and then they're flying um, today, too. And uh, hearing him talk about what he's seeing and then to read the article about what's going on in, in Louisiana, it's, I mean, it is night and day difference in, in bird numbers. And, um, yeah, I... That deal down in Louisiana, man. I mean, they are, and they were talking I mean, they're about was double, double, yeah. double the count, double, double the their normal, their November count. Yeah, and um, what and what I thought was, for whatever reason, particularly interesting about it was they said that up to seventy five percent of those birds are from the Mississippi River, the mouth of the river, uh, over to Venice, and they said that area is highly, highly concentrated. But they said, generally speaking, that, that that it's pretty well spread out across the whole state. But 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 that the biggest biggest majority of them are are right down in that area. Well, and you know, and that brings me to a third subject that I want to cover today. Then, um, also want to talk about the migration and the way it occurs because um, a lot of people believe that the birds, after reading an article like that, have already passed us, and so we might as well throw in the towel before duck season already begins because all the birds have already went really, really far south. And um, that's really not correct. Yes, the birds are there, but later on I want to touch on, you know, so what does that mean for us this season? But let's start out, um, well, let's take the three subjects, the moon pressure and then the migration in that order. And let's start out talking about this full moon and what it does to ducks because Jeff brought it up 
uh, last week in the podcast that we did with Jeff Estes and uh, had a lot of people ask me about it since then. And, you know, Rocky, you go first. I mean, you've been guiding for years. What's your experience in guiding when there's a full moon? Um, it, well, I think you have to break it down in two ways. You've got to break it down by field hunting if you only have fields to hunt or if you have field and timber. Um, it, there's so much difference between timber and field hunting during a full moon because if you have timber, that's when you're most likely going to want to hunt it because those ducks have been on the fields all night, especially in a huge full moon like this. And they're going to slowly filter back into that, that timber as soon as the sun comes up. Now, talking about the field, if you only have fields to hunt, man, sleep in. Sleep till 10 o'clock. Get out there mm-hmm. 10 or 11 o'clock and hunt till 2 or 3. I, I, I am not a huge advocate of roost shooting, okay? I hate roost shooting. I think that it can screw duck holes up for for a long time, and I've seen it happen. I'm saying stay out there three, four o'clock. Have a good time, man. That's what duck hunting is. Hang out with your buddies. Start at 10 or 11 in the morning. Shoot till three or four in the afternoon. Get out. Let your birds come in. And but that's that's how I do it. Mm-hmm. What about you? Well, you know, I, I had a really, really good experience over the, the weekend that kind of confirmed what I've thought for many years and, you know, the discussion we had with Jeff. Um, right now, the central zone of Missouri is open, and so I went and hunted near Otter Slough, um, near Dexter, Missouri, over the weekend with a buddy of mine that has a pit there. And Otter Slough has water, and right now it's holding the refuge there, 35 to 40,000 ducks. A week earlier before the full moon, on opening weekend, it had been holding less ducks, but hunter success on the WMA was 4.8 birds per man, which is the highest that I've ever seen it. And Mike and his buddies had a really good hunt that weekend. Um, this weekend, with the full moon, and not only is it a full moon right now, uh, it's a phenomenon that's called a super moon. As a matter of fact, I did a little bit of research on this over the last couple of days, and we are seeing a supermoon that will not occur again for another 18 years. The next time that we're projected to see a full moon this big and this bright is in the fall of 2034, the year 2034. 2034. Right. Yeah. That's right. So, so with this supermoon, you're seeing the effects of a full moon multiplied. And what we saw over the weekend was that Saturday morning, right at daylight, there were a few ducks flying, but most of them were headed back to the refuge to loaf all day long because they had been feeding all night. And then Saturday night, we went back by the farm and just sat, and by the moon, you could see, just as you were talking about, Josh, seeing the deer, plain as day, you could see ducks coming into the corn and into the millet and milo to feed. You know, all night long, these birds were out there with this full moon feeding, and you could actually see them flying across the moon. And then Sunday morning, they were nowhere to be found. Those birds had fed all night. They would went right back in to the refuge, and the only people that had 
any hunting success at all close to it were the people that were hunting in the little bit of flooded timber surrounding it, where, just as you said, Rocky, they were moving back into the timber to loaf all day long. And those guys shot well up into the morning. But other than that, nobody in the fields did anything at all. And that just pretty much confirmed what I've learned over the last 20 years. You know, just like you said, Rocky, if if you're field hunting and you've got a big, bright, full moon, particularly if it's clear, although, you know, I don't think cloud cover makes that big of a difference, but you might as well go deer hunting instead. Hey, I want I want to throw out one piece of advice to everybody that's listening to this podcast. If you and and this advice is to you guys that are hunting public land. Um, if you're in a moon phase like this right now, just just for future reference, don't be that guy that tries to get out there at four o'clock in the morning and race to a hole, because. 80% of the duck hunting world think that you have to be there at daylight to kill ducks and to kill ducks, to kill a lot of ducks. Sleep in. Sleep till 7 or 8 o'clock. Let, the, let the, the, these guys that are, you know, going out there and they shoot one or two ducks and they decide to come on out because they're not flying, go get in their hole after they leave. And in a, in a moon phase like this, Get out there eight or nine o'clock and hunt to whatever that limit is on that public spot. So that's your Rocky Lafleur duck hunting advice of the week. <laughs> Do you agree with that, Jay Paul? <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I totally hey, Paul, agree with that. I think that's a great the, tip. On the moon and the way that it affects them, how does it? affect them or how do you notice it affecting them around big areas of water like real foot what does it do to bird numbers around around a big you know lake or reservoir like that well you know there you take real foot lake real foot is sprawling and you've got open water blinds and you've got uh blinds back you know on, on Places like Coot Slough and, and uh, you know, on the islands, Horse Island. And the blinds that are, are back in areas where ducks come and just loaf during the day, it's very similar to, you know, hunting in green timber in Arkansas. The, the full moon really doesn't affect them as much. Um, you know, I would say that overall, though, even at a place like Real Foot, you see hunter success decrease during a full moon because you know the birds are hitting their roosting areas uh during the day instead of at night and just staying there yeah they're hitting those fields around the lake and feeding and yeah you're going to kill some birds i don't think it's as impactful on real foot as it is in people in west tennessee that are hunting agricultural fields but i think it still definitely um has an impact but pressure also is, is a big part of places like Real Foot, too, you know, because you've got blinds that are, you know, when you're sitting in one open water blind, you can see literally dozens surrounding you. And so, you know, pressure is a big deal. Now, the opening weekend for the early season was this past Saturday and Sunday at Real Foot. And because there is so little water in the area, hunter success was great on the lake. You know, people that have water, they were killing ducks because there's just really no place for them to go. 
So even though, you know, we had a full moon, there was some pretty good success there. And I think that that was dictated more by the fact that there's just so little water around. So the birds that we do have in the area are very concentrated. Yeah, I've I've noticed that, you know, concentration of birds around whatever water there is. Um, I mean, that's, that's very, very evident here in the Mississippi Delta, too. Um, like I said, I've been out all morning today and most after yesterday and, and where there's water there's birds but it's the where's the water part that that a lot of people are are struggling with um it's gonna be interesting to see what happens we are supposed to get some kind of rain um before season opens we still have you know a week and a half or so but it's not going to be that big of uh it's not gonna make that big a difference um, because it's not going to be a flood or anything like that. So I don't. It's going to be interesting to see what what a lot of people do um, when opening weekend rolls around. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think that we all have a general consensus that definitely a full moon has an adverse effect on most duck hunters. Most of the time, if you've got that big bright full moon, uh, it's gonna you know it's gonna reduce your success. And I mean, if I if I'd had any other options this weekend with that big full moon, I probably wouldn't have went duck hunting. But right now, I am so in withdrawal and needed a good duck hunt so bad. I went on and went, even though I knew it probably wasn't going to be stellar. And we still did okay. I mean, we killed 13 ducks Saturday morning and four Sunday morning, and we were killing some big ducks. We were killing some mallards. Whereas the weekend before, on opening weekend, those guys had killed. Um, mostly small ducks, teal and, and gadwall and a couple of shovelers. So I'm really, really glad that I went. But, you know, if you've got that big, bright, full moon, you're probably better off to go deer hunting or do something else more productive with your time. But that kind of brings me to our second topic. Whoa, ho, uh, ho, ho, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me say this. I, I, I've got a lot of friends in South Louisiana. And I'm going to throw an interesting point out to you. Um, I've been seeing a lot of pictures from this past opening weekend, and I'm going to tell you something. It's the most mallards that I've seen my buddies from Louisiana kill in a long time. There's a lot of mallards in these pictures, and it's oh, kind yeah. of surprising. It's kind of surprising that they're killing these mallards, but I, it tells me that the ones that did migrate down just kind of skipped us, and the mallards went straight on down to uh, – South Louisiana. But here here's my question of the day before we leave the moon topic. I want to see if you guys know this. What is the number one duck that migrates on a full moon? I know. I know that. All right, tell us. I know that. It's a coot. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't remember where I heard that, but and and after I was, somebody had told me or I'd heard it, whatever. But I I had to look it up, and that's that's what the that's what the general consensus is anyway. That that coots migrate more than any uh, on a full moon or you know or at night, uh, period. Which makes sense because you hardly ever see them in flight anyway. So I've I've always <laughs> wondered when, when I could see one. <laughs> I mean, you put a man, you put a full moon and a severe cold front together you're gonna see a mass migration of coots and you know i hate I, I, i'm gonna just tell you up front i used to be one of those guys that oh man i'm not eating a coot and 
now, I'm telling you, man, I don't know if you guys have ever tried one, but depending on where they're sitting, they are one of the best ducks to eat. Do y'all agree? Oh, okay. I, can, I, I have never eaten one, so I cannot weigh in there. I haven't. <laughs> the water chicken. Yeah, or, or a pool do. That's the uh, that's the Cajun term for them, pool do. And my grandparents owned a boat dock on Wilfoot Lake when I was really little, and, and my grandmother had a pretty good coot recipe. And then my dad's sister, uh, my aunt, she loves coot. She would rather eat coot than any other duck out there. And she makes bad-to-the-bone gumbo where coot is the star of it, and it's really, really good. So, you know, yeah, I do eat them, have all my life, and I don't think they're bad at all. But you know, I think they're I, I think they're one of the best ducks there is to eat because, I mean, all they eat is grass seed, and then they have these huge gizzards, and they fill those up with rocks, and they just they just stand around in the grass eating all day. So, you know, I'm sure the ones that are sitting on a sewage pond aren't any good, but the, I'm telling you, the ones that are sitting on these catfish ponds just feeding on grass seed around fish ponds, those suckers are good. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and so that brings me to an observation, and I may have even made it earlier in an earlier podcast. I don't remember whether I've talked about it or not, but, you know, a few years ago, I was hunting up in Canada, and we had the opportunity to shoot some shovelers um, on a little estuary or, or creek system that we were hunting in the afternoons for ducks, mainly hunting for geese and ducks in the fields in the morning, but hunting over water in the afternoon for ducks, and a couple of the guys with us while we were there that day, all they wanted to shoot was mallard. Oh, I'm not going to shoot a shoveler, you know, there. They, do you know what they eat? So I'm like, guys, you know, shovelers are great. Gadwall, hey, they're puddled up. You know, down home, they eat rice and corn just like mallards do. And But these guys were absolutely, totally against shooting anything but a mallard because of the diet. So after the hunt, on the way in that night, we were driving through Kitscotty, Alberta. I'll never forget it. We were driving by some sewage lagoons. And do you know what the major, what species the majority of the ducks were on the sewage lagoons? Take a guess. <laughs> mallards. <laughs> yeah, mallards. <laughs> it was almost all mallards. And, I mean, they oh, were loaded up on these sewage what lagoons. What did those too. guys say? <laughs> <laughs> well, we shot shovelers the next day. That's all I'm going to Yeah, that's about what I was about that. to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me tell Rocky you. Let me, let me tell you, the uh, J-Paul, you've heard this. Josh has never heard this story. But, J-Paul, you know about the board in in my mudroom at Mossy Island Outfitters, right? You, you've oh, seen yeah. the board yeah. mid- multiple, multiple times. It, Josh, you saw it the, when we were doing some stuff a couple of weeks ago. But always, yep. always, with new clients, when they come in, it's always the same questions over. Now, when I was a young man and a, a smart ass, you know, I just put together these questions and went ahead and just put them together on the board. Like, you know, people always oh, walk oh, up to my... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> when you were a young man and a smart ass. Okay, so you just said that like you being a smart ass is in the past tense, like like that ancient history. <laughs> how, yeah, I'm pretty not. I'm 
pretty nice guy yeah. now. You can tell, you know, if you if when you walk in and look at the board, and I can't remember nine or ten or however many, uh, you know, quote rules are on it or observations are on it, you can tell that it comes from years of being just frustrated. And it's really funny if you look at it with an open mind. I could see where some people might get offended by by you know is that a lake you know people might not understand that but but they're probably probably because the first thing they said when they got out of the truck was hey man is that a lake you know so (laughs) no they yeah i mean and and listen by the by the by day 50 of guiding you're you're walking around like a zombie It, it takes every bit of energy in your body to squeeze these answers out in the first place i mean when you've been guiding this many days in a row well, the deal is, well, you know, that that that's the first question. People always jump out of their <laughs> truck, and we, we, the lodge is right here on the lake, and they always say, "Hey, man, is that a lake?" I'm like, no, it's a freaking sewage <laughs> lagoon. <laughs> that's, that's a sewage yeah. lagoon for Mossy Allen Outfitters. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't remember what, and I know where this is going because I don't remember what number it is, but somewhere on it's that number, list. It's, it's number three. Yes, it's number, yes, yes, we are shooting shovelers. And then number four is. Yeah, go and then number four is and yes, we do eat shovelers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so right, right down from the lodge, there's a bridge that goes across the lake. Now it's an old, it is a, uh, it's an old bridge that used to cross across to the island, as they call it. Mm-hmm. It's a county bridge. So anyway, they always go, "Hey man, is that a bridge?" I'm like, no, that's just an illusion. <laughs> and then, always, always the third. The third question is, "Hey man, y'all killing any ducks?" It's like, "Yep, yep, that's that's what we're trying to do." So you go through, <laughs> what kind of ducks are y'all killing? And you know, you go through the list: mallard, gadwall, teal, and I always, always end it with shovelers. And they're like, "Shovelers, y'all eat those things?" But I'm like. Yep. And so always, always, when, when, whenever we have a new client that come in, that comes in, and they say, "Man, I wouldn't eat no shoveler. Those things just eat crap." I always, always make duck poppers on the first night, and I make them out of shovelers. And they like. <laughs> I look across the table at them. I say, "How, how does that? How does that popper? Oh man, this is the greatest thing I've ever eaten." And I'm like, "Well, it's shoveler." and and yes i think uh that is evidence right there that you being a smart ass is not in the past tense (laughs) you know my favorite thing on the board i I hate i hate the misconception about shovelers though man (laughs) it drives me crazy and they are really they are really really good it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. What is the number one duck, Josh or J-Paul, I don't care. What is the number one duck when you ask people, what is the best tasting duck there is? What's, what does everybody can? What does everybody say? Either green really or teal or wood ducks. What do you think, yeah, Josh? Yeah, okay, that, no, that, that's what I was going to say. Either, yeah, generally speaking, everybody goes with wood duck or teal, and I agree. Um... I'm going to blow you. I'm going to blow your mind here. Jay Paul and I were out at, we talked about it last week out at the great salt lake. 
and we killed some teal. Now, in our conversation last week, you heard him uh, talking about the brine shrimp in the Great Salt Lake. And look, these teal, they were, oh, I wouldn't eat them. There's no, no they way. Were in. <laughs> I remember, didn't you have to throw away like a piece of your luggage where you tried to bring one back to have it mounted or something? And it smelled so bad. And, and those teal were almost inedible that we killed on the Great Salt Lake there. But like you said, and they stunk. I mean, they literally, but it was because, first of all, the Great Salt Lake doesn't smell the greatest anyway in some areas, particularly when it's low. But number two, you know, it, it, there's a reason that most people don't eat mergansers. It's because they're fish eaters. And those green wing teal, you're dead on Rocky. They'd been eating shrimp. So, you know. Well, well there's, there's a sulfur release in the Great Salt Lake, too, on top of mm-hmm. the, the brine shrimp. There's a big yeah. sulfur release as you go out west. You're dead on, and those teal were, were almost inedible. But then when we went over into central Utah and hunted there in the fields um, off of the Green River with Morgan Freeman, we killed some teal and we cooked them that night, and those birds were fantastic. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, they were know, great. Your, your point is, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's shovelers, gadwall, teal, or mallards. You know, it, it's what their diet has been. Or coot, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, you know, that is the one big misconception. And I, I know probably Josh has a lot to say about this, but that's the one misconception about duck hunting that drives me crazy. Yeah, look, I understand if you don't want to shoot a shoveler, but shooting a shoveler and then throwing away because, oh, I'm not going to eat that thing. You're nuts. Bring them to my house. I'll eat them. Sign me a tag. Yeah, I've I've hunted with plenty of guys that refused to. Uh, got in a, I won't say heated argument, but a argument with a guy one morning. He had a young dog and wanted wanted the dog to you know work, get as many reps in as possible. And we had shot some. Du- I mean, four or five ducks by eight o'clock, eight thirty. And but uh, and and me and um, boy I was with, we were guests. So, you know, we were just, you know, shooting when the group shot. Well, but they were not shooting shovelers. And this guy sat over there and, and all morning then was, we're not, you know, I want my dog to work. I need him to get some work. And there's only how many days left of the season. And he really needs to work. And I said, well, if you want your dog to work, let's start laying into some of these groups of shovelers. Cause we already let, I don't know, three or four groups land. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. We don't want them. And I said, well, I'll take them home, you know, if you don't want the shovelers, but if you want the dog to work. I mean, this guy didn't even bring his gun, you know, and he just sat over there all morning complaining because his dog had only picked up four ducks. And they were how they were just kind of having a little discussion over whether or not they wanted to even shoot shovelers. And me and the boy I was with, with my brother-in-law, the next group that came in, we didn't even ask any questions. It was six or eight shovelers, and we pulled up and killed two apiece, and I thought, I mean, that guy was borderline. <laughs> the guy was borderline cussing his dog while the dog was just running out there, and I just stepped out in front of the blind, and the dog bring the bird back to me, and I did it, and I sent him on the next one. And after after he picked up all four of those, I said, "Your dog's doing great," you know. I mean, he just. I said, "Look, if you don't want them, that's fine. But if you want your dog to work, and we're sitting here, and you know, groups of shovelers are coming in, let your dog work. I mean, you know, it wasn't like it was going to hurt toward the." 
made the limit. I mean, there was six of us, so you know we had plenty of ducks we could you know finish out a, a limit with if needed. But yeah, I don't. Uh, I've seen plenty of guys just absolutely refuse shovelers for a number of reasons, but it's usually because they don't want to eat them, and I don't. I don't agree with it. Uh, Unless, well, yeah, first yeah, of all, unless you're talking about them coming strictly off of a sewage lagoon, then that you know that could be a problem. But that's <laughs> rare anyway. Yeah, uh, talking talking about this eating, man. Hey, you know, I just turned forty a couple of weeks ago, Jay Paul. Man, and Josh, I've been I've been wanting some fried catfish forever. So I cooked some last night, and man, I felt awful since I cooked those <laughs> things. I hit the the terrible forties where you can't eat any fried food, anything good anymore because it upsets your stomach so bad. <laughs> well, and it goes straight to sticking to your ribs literally and expanding on the outside of them. You know, yeah. uh, and we're, I tell you, I wanted today to uh, talk a little bit about pressure and, and also about the migration, but I think that we ought to save that guys for the next time around. And just the three of us get back on here because Pressure has a major influence on hunter success, and uh, you know it, it's worth discussing. Uh, and we kind of gotten derailed here a little bit, but what I do want to, you know, you I like these derailments. I love them. <laughs> well, I think it's good because you both of you guys made a point that I want to expand on just a little bit, and I, I really respect both of you guys as hunters and conservationists anyway. But, you know, in particular, uh, you know, Rocky, you said, hey, bring all your shovelers to me. And Josh, you're like, I, you know, I'll kill them. But one of you guys said something about people throwing them away. And let me tell you, not only is that totally ludicrous, it's completely illegal. I mean, you know, I know guys that shoot bluebills, and they don't have any problem shooting a blackjack if it flies through their decoys. But then they will not, um, they won't eat it. They won't Why it do you freezer. freaking kill it? Why kill yep, something I if you're not going to eat it or give it exactly. to somebody else to be I eaten. do not understand that at all. Not at all. Uh, that well, that kind of stuff just eats me to the core, man. I can't stand that. Well, and you know, Rocky, what made me think about that was your comment just then that, you know, I'm at that age. You're at 40. Heck, I, I've already, I broke that a long time ago. We won't even talk about how old I am. But you know, <laughs> there still are good things that you can eat. You know, if, if you don't want, if you don't want to make poppers or, or, or you know, some other recipe with the breast of a shoveler or um, some other duck, put it in gumbo. Let me tell you what, some of the best gumbo that I've ever had was made with a combination of coots and blackjacks, fish eaters. You know, just because it's not something that you're going to, you know, marinate for an hour or two and then throw on the grill and cook rare and take it off and, you know, have it be better than a steak the way that a really good green wing teal that's been feeding in rice or corn or mallard's going to be, that doesn't mean that it's not fit for the table. And one of my very favorite dishes, as a matter of fact, tonight I'm going to make a uh, a gumbo out of mainly duck and sausage with just a little bit of leftover chicken that I've got in the fridge and some shrimp that I need to cook. And it will be fantastic, you know, and it doesn't matter what the duck is that's 
in it, it's gumbo. If you start it out right and you prepare it right, then it can be very, very good. But there is absolutely no reason. First of all, it's not even legal. But secondly, it, like you said, Rocky and Josh, it burns you up because it is completely unethical. Guys, if you're not going to use it, don't shoot it. Hallelujah to that. Man, I, I cannot stand to see wasting, wasting just to kill something, just to kill it. Doesn't make any sense to me. No, it it, hey, it doesn't to me either at all. Hey, Jay Paul, I, I know that you're sick of hearing about this subject, but I've got to talk about it real quick before we go. You know, sure. in Mississippi, in the past two podcasts, we're talking about it being pecan stealing season on the on the eve of duck season opening up. I got to <laughs> tell you something really. I got to tell y'all something really funny, really quick. So you know, we have that pecan grove down the road that that we own. It's about a ten acre pecan grove, and you know, I've been running people off every single day, just pulling up in there, honking the horn, get out of here, you know. So I think that I finally got my day stealing. You know, I, I went a couple of days without somebody being there, and I'm like, man, my, I may have got it. I may have got it fixed. Nobody's in here stealing my pecans. So Friday night, I come by about eight or nine o'clock at night, and there's four people out there with headlamps and spotlights picking them up. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding. I kid you not, man. They've gone nocturnal. I guess with this full moon, it's even driven the pecan stealers to go nocturnal. Oh, it's bad yep. enough when they attack your nuts during the day, but now they're attacking your nuts at night. Now they have 24-7. Yeah. I mean, the, this super moon, I was like, y'all don't even need these headlamps. It's so bright out here. But even the pecan stealers have gone nocturnal along with the ducks and the deer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, Josh, I think I think to go along with this podcast, uh, we need to share a uh, – and I'll send you one, a duck gumbo recipe and a pecan pie recipe to go on the website. Yeah, I, I think that, that's a great idea. Both <laughs> of those will be up when this goes up. Yeah. La- last time, look, that's the last time I'm bringing up pecan stealing, okay? I just had to tell <laughs> you that. No, no, no. Josh, I don't believe it. I think he'll be talking about his nuts on the next podcast, too. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I'd like to remind everybody out there to change the subject that the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com, is brought to you by Hardcore Brands and Hardcore Decoys. Hardcore, makers of the most innovative and durable waterfowl products out there. We know it's not easy being hardcore. Hold on, man. So you, so hold on, hold on. So you're going to talk about my nuts, and that brings up the subject of hardcore. I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I, oh, my God, we're going to lose a sponsor now. No, I was actually trying to just make a segue and change the subject <laughs> and end this thing before it, you know, before it goes any further, any further south. <laughs> what are my nuts it's, 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 do with my hardcore? It's finally... There's been so much conversation about it. It finally got to the point where it bothers Jay Paul talking about it. So he's, he's <laughs> looking for a way out, and that's all he that's oh, all man. he had. So we'll 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 let it count. We'll let it count. We'll get away from it. Well, look, hey, we I, I won't bring it up again. I won't bring it up again. I promise to y'all and to the listeners, unless 
something strange happens, like four people out there at night with headlamps and spotlights <laughs> picking up pecans. I'm going to tell you about it. Hey, will you carry an iPhone? Get us a photo of that, or even make a little, you know, that would be a great Facebook Live video right there, Rocky LaFleur, of you out there with your con stealers running them off <laughs> at night. And, and you know, you're right. I love these diversions that we go on sometimes, because I can tell you, I'm going to go back, and, and <laughs> I don't care what the little girl says on the front of the podcast. I don't just love to hear myself talk. As a matter of fact, I know you're not going to believe this, but most of these um, my wife listens to almost all of them, which blows my mind. Says we must be doing something right, maybe, but most of these I don't. But I'll go back and listen to this one because, you know, I mean, we've covered some good stuff. A lot of people really don't understand how the full moon affects their hunting. And, you know, just because you're out there and and you're not killing ducks, it doesn't mean that there aren't ducks. I, I hate hearing people say, oh, we don't have any ducks. You know, we got one of the best spots, fields around, and we went out this morning, we only shot two. Well, you know, dummy, it's not because you don't have any ducks around. It's because you're hunting on a full moon in the middle of a cornfield. And if you'll show up there at midnight, I bet you're going to see plenty of ducks. So, you know, I love the insight that you guys, you know, gave. And, and also, I hope we made people out there Think about the fact that, you know, if you're shooting these ducks and they're not something normally you would think is great table fare, hey, get a little bit creative with it and, and you know, put them in a gumbo. Do something with them and, and we'll rock you. I bet you you can get us a good pecan pie recipe for, for dessert to go along with that duck gumbo. But I think these tangents we get on are pretty good sometimes, with the exception maybe of talking about Rocky's nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah well listen guys it's about time we do wrap it up now josh webb i want to go to you first uh give me a, give me your closing thoughts today I, I think i pretty much just gave you guys mine well just send the recipe but i can uh for the for the pecan pie i i cannot and want to talk about where i'm getting the pecans from to make the pie but um <laughs> But we'll we'll make a pecan pie according to the recipe. <laughs> hey, was that a headlamp I saw on your dash today, Josh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well. Anyway, Rocky, what do you got? Guys, I, look, I, I think this is probably. I know Jay Paul is is he always does these jumping jacks and jumping up and down like uh, somebody just scored a touchdown when we do a really good podcast. I think I'll do that today. I, I, I think this is, you know, one of the better ones we've we've done. I've enjoyed talking about the subjects we've, you know, that we've talked about today. It's been, it's been a great podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> I do do a little touchdown dance to give you guys that are out there listening to the On The X podcast, a little bit of insight in what goes on in the in the uh, Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. When we do these podcasts, they're all pre-recorded, and there is I call her the Fat Lady, but with the with the software that we use, there um, is a lady that comes on at the end when Rocky hits the stop recording bu- button, and she says, uh, "Call recording." off and after a really good one i'm usually like yeah that was awesome guys we did a great job but uh you know today definitely is one of those days i've really enjoyed doing this with you guys um as my closing thought today 
I know we're going to talk the next go around about pressure and also about the migration, but I, I want to tell everybody out there that has listened to us talk today or read that article about how many ducks there are along the Louisiana coast, don't be too concerned. Just because they bypass us in there in South Louisiana now, that's not a cause for major concern. And definitely want to elaborate on that um, later in the week. And tying in with that next go around, we're going to talk about pressure. And by the way, in the coastal zone, the area of Venice, Louisiana, do you guys know when duck season opens? Uh, it opened last weekend, didn't it? Yep, it opened on November the 12th. And so I think some of the things we're going to talk about in the next podcast, we're also going to see over the coming weeks. So I'll just leave that as a little teaser out there. But, uh, and look, hey, that, that article, hey, though, look, that article about the Louisiana, the numbers in South Louisiana, it can be found at uh, the Louisiana Sportsman, this magazine online. So just to drop them a little favor. But that's that's where we got those numbers from, is from the Louisiana Sportsman's Magazine. Yeah, that's a good thing. I'm going to go back. I haven't actually read the whole thing. I'm going to go back and, and, and take a look at that. I just read an excerpt that somebody sent me. But um, anyway, just wanted to throw that little teaser out there. Uh, in a couple of days, we're going to do another one. Me and Josh, Rocky, three of us. Hope everybody out there listening has enjoyed this edition of the On The X podcast. And be sure and check us out later in the week when Rocky, Josh, and I discuss hunting pressure and the way that ducks migrate on the next On The X podcast powered by DuckSouth.com. <laughs>